Monday, December 24th, 2018, 5.04 p.m., about to be 5.05. We're broadcasting live from the J. Doherty Podcast World Headquarters. For a surprise episode, I guess it was the, uh, the holiday episode, but it is certainly a surprise. No one knew I was going to be broadcasting or even having a show today. It is Christmas Eve. I'm very happy, and the uh, instrumental for this, this song you're listening to right now, is It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I certainly do agree with that statement. Uh, the reason I'm playing this is because uh, you may have noticed in the beginning it has quite the grand intro for a podcast, especially for a surprise radio episode. It has the razzle dazzle of production. I didn't announce that I was doing this episode on Twitter or anything, so certainly a little bit uh, different there in that uh, sense. Totally, totally surprise episode right there that we're broadcasting. Uh, although the episode itself, the content of it, is not going to uh, have anything directly to do with the holidays. I'm actually going to be going over my podcast workflow for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's nothing to talk about in politics right now. The government is shut down. Uh, it's Christmas time, and, you know, the president is Christian, so is his vice president. There's nothing going on. So, due to that fact, <laughs> no politics here. We're going to be talking about uh, my podcast workflow, and I'm gonna t- I am gonna I do this, I want to do this at least, Every three, six, nine months, something like that, three, six, or nine months, I update the way I do my podcast workflow and the way my gear ties into that. So that's what we're going to be doing on this episode, and I felt, why not? We're coming up on the new year. Why not uh, go ahead and talk about how I record my podcast episodes? So why not? Why why not talk about this? That's what I wanted to do, and uh, we open up with that wonderful song there, and I'll tell you exactly how I have it set up, where I can actually do that whenever I want. Uh, but before I actually get to that, I want to go on this very short rant about something um, that dates back, I suppose, to uh, music, but also just people being geopolitically correct uh, in certain terms. Um, You know, if you walk down the street in any part of America, hopefully you'll hear the phrase, happy holidays, right? Um, But back in, you know, just historically, before, you know, the uh, open view and kind of generally larger open view of... um, you know, different cultures and religions came, particularly within the United States, everyone would pretty much say, at least in most parts of America, Merry Christmas, because it was just assumed that, you know, you were uh, some sort of, you know, that you were Christian, because the majority of the world at that time was Christian. Now, uh, you know, of course, everyone says Happy Holidays, which is great, it's the very, it's a very broad, uh, very broad, um, you know, term of 
expression for, you know, greeting people and being very, uh, you know, generous and open-minded to, and not being presumptuous of their culture or religion, which is a phenomenal thing, and I think that's really great. But the thing that gets me upset when people say this, well, not when people say this particularly, but when 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 there's billboards and companies and, and, and things of institutional nature, and they say they have a huge banner, a huge sign that says, Happy Holidays, and then a Christmas tree right next to it, or Happy Holidays, and then they have literally the manger of Jesus right next to it. They say, I mean... If you're going to go to all that trouble to have such an image and do all, why don't you just say Merry Christmas or just have Happy Holidays and have some sort of religious specific or non-religious specific graphic. There's no reason to, you know, assume what people's religion is and when you do it at, you know, that sort of level, I think it's kind of very bad, and I see this all the time, I see it all the time when they have, when, when people are, you know, you're walking down the street, and you see this huge sign, uh, you're, I mean, I even saw it, I, I don't know, if it was like a store like Walgreens, it was a little bit, it was more of a small business, like drugstore type thing, and I saw a big sign on the front wall that says, happy holidays, we have a discount, come in, like, come into our store, we have a discount, happy holidays, and it had a picture of a Christmas tree and an angel on the top, and that was what the uh, that, that's what, that was, you know, that's what they had in their store, and I was like, wait, is this, is this really what's happening, is this, is that a legitimate thing that has, that I have just had my eyes lay upon, is that a joke, but no, I mean, it's, it's everywhere, I look, I went home and looked it up, and, uh, I found out about it, Another example of this, who actually took place 55 years ago, I believe is the is the correct math. Yeah, 55 years ago, about to be 56, uh, where uh, a guy who you may have heard his name, Andy Williams, released a song called "Happy Holidays." Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. While the merry bells keep ringing, happy holiday to you. Alright, so that's that's great, right? Uh, happy holidays, everything's great. And listen to what he says next. I don't know if you're familiar with the song. And Santa Claus is coming round. The Christmas snow is white on the ground. Okay, so let's take a look at this. In the first... 30 seconds, literally, the first 30 seconds, he says, Happy Holidays. And then the next 15 seconds of that, after that 30 seconds, he says, Merry Christmas, and makes a reference to Santa Claus. It's a great song, but I'm just saying, if you're going to say Happy Holidays, at least continue your philosophy of open-ended acceptance. He'll have a big fat pack upon his back. And lots of good is for you and for me So leave a peppermint stick For old Saint Nick Hanging on the Christmas tree It's the holiday season The holiday season So And of course the song goes on I will have the link to it in the uh, podcast show notes but Let me know if you what you think about this you, you know, let me know on the website Let me know uh, on my email If you think this is good, if you think this is bad If you think I'm being too picky or too not picky about this Let me know, whatever you're views are on this, let me know, please do, I'd be 
uh, quite appreciative of your of of your uh, views and your opinions because I uh, really do uh, you know look up to and want to continue and uh, enhance my audience interaction because that is very very important for uh, podcast and podcast workflow. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to talk about in this episode how I do my podcast workflow. That's what the main topic of this uh, show, this uh, episode in particular, is going to be about. Um, so yeah, I mean, why not? Why don't we just get right into it? Um, we'll talk about a couple of things. We'll first talk about the way I do, well, I mean, technically there's a bunch of steps that I follow, and I'll try and kind of as I go along here, even though I've written some most of it down, um, I will uh, go ahead and uh, take a look and try and, you know, compose my thoughts as well as possible in terms of how I actually uh, podcast and edit my, uh, you know, show and, and get ready for it both before and after. So the first thing I do in any podcast is, um, is well, first, I, I broadcast live uh, pretty much all of my episodes that I do. Uh, on the rare occasions I don't, it is because I'm doing either a pre-recorded interview or I am just not broadcasting live for some reason, uh, whether that be some technical reason or if I was just not in the mood to set it up one day or something. I mean, that's I don't think that's ever happened, but it certainly could. So uh, that yeah, so that that's the only reason I don't broadcast live, or I have not uh, been broadcasting live. Uh, but let's talk about how I prepare for this show. So the first step in any podcast, regardless of the genre, regardless of the technical way that you produce it, is preparation. Preparation is key with anything in media. If you have show notes, most, I mean, I don't do, obviously, I, obviously, I do not do a scripted show, uh, but what I, I, I do put show notes together, I do make a show outline before every episode. You may have noticed in my traditional political episodes, I have a pre-recorded intro that I play at the beginning where my voice sounds more crispy than usual, and it's behind some, uh, or in front of, above some music, um, that's played in the background, um, and, and it, it just kind of goes around of what I'm going to be talking about in the episode, uh, mostly when that that go, that plays when it's news coverage and things like that. Um, but you may notice it if you if you haven't noticed it and you're just listening brand new to the podcast, uh, go ahead. I'll I'll leave some links in the description or just uh, go ahead and click on one of my older episodes so you can actually see that. Um, but in terms of like my actual. Uh, workflow and the way the what I do uh, for the first step of my podcast is I do show preparation. Now I normally spend one hour to two hours prepping for my show. Sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, but normally in that range. Normally it's about an hour and fifteen minutes, and I just do my research and I do. You know, I, I look up facts, I look up opinions, I look at what the left is saying, what the right is saying, uh, kind of form my own opinions, make sure I know what I'm talking about before I come sit down here in front of the microphone, and just make an outline for generally what I want the episode to be focused on. 
and that's how I do it. I do it in Google Docs, so nothing fancy. I have my own Google Drive account, of course, and I have a bunch of very neatly organized folders, uh, and I don't, uh, yeah, I do it all in Google Drive. All It's all up uh, in the cloud, and I have a podcast folder, and within that folder, I have a show notes folder, a prep folder, a script folder, and what I do is I actually, in the script folder, I have, you know, as I mentioned before, when you listen to my other episodes, uh, you'll, you'll notice that I have, you know, a script in the beginning of the episode, and that is actually, that's, that, I write that ahead of time, uh, for what I'm actually going to be talking about on the show, and then I will record that, um, you know, into the microphone, and and then in my uh, audition software, Adobe Audition, I uh, edit some multi-track music under it, and we'll talk about that. That's that's next in the process, but that's what I do to prepare for my show. And uh, in that folder, also I have a show notes. So all the show notes that I write for the podcast itself, I do archive on Google Drive. I think that's very important. Redundancy and archiving are incredibly important in terms of media production and things like that, so I certainly make sure I do that, um, so yeah, um, that, that's basically the first step, uh, the step, the, the next step that I do immediately after most of the time is record the episode, so I will sit down in front of my mic and record the episode, this is, um, pretty, you know, all of my episodes, I try to keep them between 30 minutes and 45 minutes, uh, I'm approaching right now 13 minutes and 20 seconds, so this is actually, uh, if you're still listening, congratulations, but for me, this has actually gone pretty fast, I mean, you know, 13 minutes can go by pretty fast, and, you know, I've done episodes where it's been, you know, 45 minutes, and it went by, it felt like 15, and, you know, I just, I, I guess I just like doing this stuff, so, uh, you know, it makes, it, it, it I do really like doing it, and it's certainly very... Uh, very fun to do, and, you know, I am very lucky to actually be able to do it as well, so I never, never forget about that, although it sometimes is easy, uh, to forget, but in terms of my technical side of doing this, which is probably what most of you want to hear, uh, I have quite the, uh, overly elaborate system for doing this, uh, particularly, and I apologize for that mic crackling here, let me try and fix that, can we still hear the crackling, or no? No, I think we're good. You good? No? Oh, it's still there. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm not going to take the stream down, but, uh, you good now? Yeah, I think we're good. We're all, we're all set. Sorry about that, everyone listening on, uh, the live stream and, and the, uh, recording. But, uh, yeah, so this is my overly elaborate system. I had an episode a really long time back, and I'm going to up, I'm going to update that because there have been new, uh, updates and upgrades to the studio, and I'll talk about that in my uh, next episode of the podcast, literally the next one, I'm probably going to release it uh, the day after Christmas. Um, I'll probably broadcast that live about 11 a.m. or so. We'll talk about that uh, and the new equipment and everything. But the way I do it is I have a Behringer X32 compact uh, mixer. And this mixer is incredible. It is a super big, it looks like a rocket... Uh, you know, control surface. It looks like you're literally launching a rocket when you're actually operating the, the system, and uh, it has a great software that it runs on. Yes, my mixer runs on software, and this thing is 
crazy. The Behringer X32 Compact. It has uh, 32 built-in inputs, or I believe, I mean, yeah, 32 input, uh, 32 built-in inputs, eight outputs. You can actually have an AES50, I believe, is what uh, it's called. And I don't know. Let me let me actually take a look to see exactly what it's called here. And I know my my levels are probably very low right now. Um. Yeah, so you can actually hook up what's called an AES-50 in this case to the mixer, and it gives you an extra set of um, inputs and outputs uh, on the on on the uh, mixer, so you can add more or subtract uh, inputs and outputs. Most you're probably going to be adding them uh, in cases where you're doing bro uh, you know Broadway shows. Technically, I mean, this this mixer that I'm sitting in front of can operate and fully produce a Broadway show without a doubt, um, and that's pretty interesting in my view that I'm actually able to operate a piece of equipment that is able to do that, but, um, yeah, so the way I have it set up, and, and then, so I have tons of outboard gear as well, uh, that, that's in a rack above, and everything goes to this really tightly wired cable that runs down, and it's through two patch panels that I have a headphone amplifier, a two-channel, uh, 31-band equalizer, um, a four-channel compressor limiter gate, a two, uh, well, two mono-channel, one stereo-channel, um, uh, 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 virtualizer, special effects processor, uh, and then above that on the rack, I have a fan to cool it all, and then I have my server, uh, gear above that, but that's for a whole another episode, uh, right there, but, yeah. Um, in terms of my actual production and things like that, um, on my mixer, I have, uh, I have a bunch of channels. I technically only use, well, I mean, out of the 32, I don't really, I don't, I do not use all 32 unless I'm, you know, making music, which, uh, I sometimes do just for fun, um, but, yes, so let's take a look here. So, I use, I have four microphones in the studio, it's a four microphone studio in total, and I can actually bring my second microphone up and take this one down and it's actually pretty far away from me so you're probably not going to be able to hear it that well but you might have just heard me there I just brought it up and I have faders here that are right in front of me and I can control how you hear me so now you'll hear me pretty low and then now you'll hear me very high very crisp almost dangerously high in terms of feedback but you'll be able to hear me uh, just like that and I actually have the ability to uh, mute myself by pressing this button, and I know uh, I'm not doing video or anything, so you know you probably it's probably hard to imagine, but I can press the mute button. And now I was just talking, and basically just right now spamming the mute button. And yeah, so I was just spamming the mute button there, so it does work. You know, you always got to test that out. It's a good cough button, so if I ever need to cough or take a drink of water, I can just mute myself and come back right there with just a click of a button, which is uh, really great. The other thing that I really, really like about this mixer is... So it actually has great internals, great, and it's a digital board, it's not analog, um, uh, so, yeah, um, this digital, this digital board actually has a built-in control for phantom power, and, uh, which is 48 volt power that all XLR mics require for them to work, and, uh, that, so that's what I'm, you know, I'm, of course, using an, a, 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 excuse me there, <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I um, had a little bit of a cough there. 48-volt uh, power, and the XLR 
it, it's required. And you can actually turn the f phantom power off on a per channel basis. So I was on channel one and I wanted the phantom power to be on, but then for some reason on channel four, on the fourth microphone, I want it to be off. I can just easily turn that off, which is awesome. Um, and, and so, I mean, I, I don't know exactly the use. I mean, I suppose one of the uses is if you are mixing live Broadway shows or live any type of live productions and you're doing a line-through input uh, or you're doing something where you're shooting power down a line that does not need power, it's not only dangerous, but it can also create a non-pleasurable hiss in the, in the, in, it sounds just like it's picking up an electrical current, um, just like if you ran a cable up against a wall that's, like, pushing a bunch of electricity through, you're not gonna get a good sound from that, and that's basically what, uh, what, what, phantom power is, but, uh, you know, a lot of times, in, in my case, and a lot of other cases, it is needed, and, uh, pretty much all mixers come with the ability to have phantom power. The other thing it has is a gate, so noise gate, very, very important. Uh, not that my studio is noisy, because I actually have, uh, one in front of me, I have a bulletin board that does a very good job of soundproofing, uh, the, the studio space, which is awesome. It's a very, very good job, and I apologize for that once again. I think it's actually the, the, when I move my mic stand, there's something wrong with the cords, I gotta fix that, and I talked about it in another episode, but, uh, we'll have to fix that, I'll, I'll have to see what I can do about that. Uh, anyway, back to the bulletin board, it does a great job, a really, really great job, uh, of soundproofing what is in front of me, and does a pretty good job not bouncing that back too far. Uh, and this room is actually pretty big that I'm that I'm doing it in, so it's pretty impressive. Maybe I'll do a video tour at some point of what everything looks like. Uh, but yeah, um, that's that's in terms of soundproofing, very minimal. But that's what I do. If I turn the gate off, which I actually can, uh, and I press this button right here, um, and I'm totally silent. Like right now, I'll be totally silent. And you hear it picks up a lot of noise. Now, if I turn the gate on, and I become totally silent, this is the gate on. It's totally silent, which is awesome. Uh, so, you know, you'll still hear, it's it's not a huge difference, but you can, you can tell, you can definitely tell. Um, another thing it has is a compressor built in. I have a compressor, all, all this stuff that I do, uh, I do through my analog stuff, but right now I have it routed to the digital stuff just to explain what my board does um but this is what the compressor does so i i tend to not like compression that much i think i probably will as i get older and uh you know when i'm like 90 years old or something and i really want to hear my voice be enriched much more uh you know that's when the compressor will come in handy uh, so I do not use compression, although I do know some of the dynamic, you know, threshold, ratio, all that. I know how to control it and compress mics and things like that. Um, in terms of equalization, I do a lot of EQ. I basically, my philosophy about EQ in vocals and anything having to do with voice, cut out all the lows, boost all the highs, and leave the mids exactly where they are. Uh, that is my philosophy about it, and, uh, you know, yeah, of course it's on a per basis situation, but if you really want to get a better sound, 
Okay, so there's certainly something really, really wrong with my chords, because I don't know what is creating this this strange sound, and I apologize to everyone. I might have to actually edit this, but I'm not sure if I will, though. Uh, so I certainly apologize for that, and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do about it. But back to my EQ uh, speech here. Um, EQ is very, very important, and you'll be able to hear a huge, 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 very recognizable difference when I turn off my EQ. My EQ, sorry about that, I pressed the wrong button. Uh, you'll be able to hear such a huge difference uh, in the EQ when I turn it off. Okay, are you ready? This is this is what garbage sounds like. This is this would this is what it would sound like if you just got your mic, you plugged it in, and you started talking. It would sound like this. I'm not even kidding. This is not this is not a joke. This is how it would sound. And yeah, I mean, this is me right up a right up in front of the microphone. I'm talking, and that is what it sounds like. S seriously, and I turn it back on. Sounds so much better. Like this to this. Huge difference, huge difference, and that really makes the quality of the mic, this mic is not ex not that expensive relative to the stuff that you would just get that sound out of the box. Uh, this is an Audio-Technica uh, mic. I do not recall the exact model number off the top of my head, but it's the $100 model, very, 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 very popular model uh, for microphones, and that, that is what I use. Um, I have everything routed through what's called a digital... Uh, controlled amplifier and that goes up to my outboard gear and it goes of course through my master switch and in terms of my routing this is getting super super like not many even people who do podcasts know this stuff but in terms of routing I have everything going through a dual mono patch that goes from 31 out and 32 out into my Adobe Audition software where I record in a multi-track multi field um, in a uh, mono, ch in a stereo channel, but two channels that are each recording mono, so uh, no direct pan controls in terms of actually, um, you know, switching pan left and right. But what is nice, um, if I do, and in terms of post production, but if I do it live, like I can do it in live right now. Let's take a look here. If I do it live, you only hear me. Uh, oh, this is I'm actually recording this episode in mono because I'm broadcasting live, um, but. I Actually, if I was recording in studio, you'd only be able to hear me on the left side right now, and only right now, right there. Um, so, wow, yeah, I just realized that, but, um, but yeah, if I was recording stereo, you'd be, you'll be able to hear that, and I don't, I'm positive, yeah, according to my edition recording, I am only recording in mono right now, but I normally do record in stereo, so, I don't know, just wanted to point that out, and uh, that's how I do that. Um, let's see, what do I do next? Well, uh, of course, after I, I record, I edit, and I do post-production. Fortunately for me, uh, I do all of my cosmetic stuff live. And when I say that, I mean that all of the music, all of the special effects that make my voice sound better, for the most part, are done 100% completely live. So I don't need to worry whatsoever about, uh, you know, doing, you know, adding post-parametric equalization or, you know, any sort of uh, multiband compression. That's all done. I do that all live. I have it all set up. I have a preset for myself. It works phenomenally. I don't need to edit it whatsoever after the fact, after I record it.
So that for me, I mean, you know, sometimes I have to cut out some audio just because I want to cut it out. Uh, but in terms of everything else, no, I mean, I don't really do much, um, you know, after the fact, um, unless, you know, it's some sort of situation where I, um, you know, I, I just do it differently. Um, you know, or, I mean, cause I've done episodes like the, uh, episode that I did with my, about my grandfather, where it was almost nearly all in multi-track editing. It was all post-production. And that was because I did interviews and music from multiple sources, multiple different people, and it was just impossible to do it all live. So I did it in multi-track and it was a long-term project that I had been working on. So in my opinion, you know, if you're going to do everything live, you should do everything live. And if you do everything uh, you know, as a long-term thing, do everything as a long-term thing. That's, that's my view. Um, so after I'm done with all of my editing, uh, I mix it down into one file. I save it to my server as an MP3 file, and this is my Genesis server. If you want to learn more about the Genesis server and how you can actually use it, go to j-story.com slash Genesis if you want to learn more about how the specs of my server and what I do, how I use it and everything. Um, but after I export my MP3 file, I go ahead and export it to Genesis. Uh, and I'm oh, sorry, I just said that. Uh, after that, what I do is I tag it. So I tag the file and uh, I export it there from my tagging software. And I go ahead and upload it to Blueberry. B L U B R R Y dot com is a website. They are the only person I trust to host my podcast files, and they're actually a backup system for me, technically, um, because I archive all of my podcast episodes not only on my website but also on my server. And Blueberry goes in and hosts all of them for me. They're a spectacular company. I really, really like them. They're actually, uh, I've, I've been in the, in the works talking to them about a potential, um, affiliation opportunity, sponsorship opportunity, uh, in the future, um, with Blueberry that I've been, uh, very, very eagerly wanting to set up and they've, kind of just kind of been reciprocating the feeling, so uh, I'm in the works of setting all the uh, logistics of that up, um, so look out for that, Blueberry, great company, I upload my files to them, they go ahead and host it, I embed it on my website, uh, and then I add the show notes in the post, and then I'm pretty much done, uh, after that though, what I do um, is I actually go ahead and um, post a... Um, I, I take a lot of time most of the time to make featured images just because it really helps with the internet side of search engine optimization. So I do take a lot of time um, making featured images. Um, but, you know, that that's what I, that that's just my philosophy. And, you know, I think every episode needs a featured image. The amount of time that you put into actually making a very personal, um, a very personal featured image is up to you. But hey, that's just my philosophy, and you know, to, to each his own. So, uh, yeah, um, I believe that's it. To be totally honest, I mean that that's it's not that complicated, and it um, you know that's what I do in terms of archive. I'd really like to be have kind of more of a redundant system, um, but I what I do is I basically for all of my. Uh, audio and all of my images and all my show notes that's archived not only on my local server um it's on another drive of mine that i take pretty much everywhere i go um it's backed up to the cloud so you know it's pretty it's pretty all pretty much all set there 
And um, again, if you want to learn more about how I my, my server and the way I back things up, go to j-doherty.com slash genesis. Um, and, you know, that's, I, I, I gotta be totally honest, that is it. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention now that I realized it, the software, someone was just reminding me in the chat room here, they were asking, what software do I use to play my audio? Um, I actually use, I, I use a, um, software, very old piece of software, I talked about it in the past, called Soundbite, and S-O-U-N-D-B-Y-T-E, um, and now I use a software called Sound Effects. It's not the greatest thing in the world. In fact, I'm actually looking into an upgrade for it, um, because I really want to be able to assign hotkeys to my certain sound effects. Um, in this program, I'm not able to do that, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I'm using a, 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 player called Sound Effects, S-O-U-N-D-E-F-F-E-C-T-S. You'll be able to find it on the App Store. I'll have it linked. Uh, not the greatest application in the world. I definitely want to find a uh, an alternative. If, in fact, if you have an alternative recommendation, please, please, please let me know. I'm desperate to find it out because I really need to get on top of that. But, you know, it works fine. Uh, I think it's built more for theater um, than anything else. Uh, <laughs> so it's not the greatest in the podcast space, but I really hope and I really wish that they would take some action in optimizing it. Maybe I'll talk, you know, try and talk to their, uh, their people about, uh, doing something like that, because, you know, I, I email a lot of these companies that do it, and they say, hey, thanks for your recommendation, and they really do appreciate it, especially with some of the smaller stuff, so, yeah, that's what I use, uh, any other questions in the chat room before I wrap up, uh, if you want to listen to the podcast live, you can go ahead and do so on the website, uh, sign up for notifications and things of the nature. Um, let's take a look in here. I'll type a and see um, if anyone wants to ask anything. Uh, and it doesn't look like anyone has any other questions. Uh, what software do you use? Uh, how many? Oh, yeah, I pretty much answered all of those questions. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling here. Oh, oh, someone asked, uh, how do you use your analog outboard gear with the... This was a whole look. How do you use your equalizer with your... Okay, I think that's a typo, but basically I think the question is, how do you... Do you, do you use um, RTA with your analog, or do you just rely on the digital? Uh, the answer to that is both. I... Look, I constantly, just because I like the look of it, and also just to make sure everything is going fine, I use both digital and analog RTA. Um, I actually think the digital looks really, 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 really cool, um, especially on this Behringer model that I use, the Ultragraph Pro FBQ. It is a really nice, it's a very uh, cool kind of look, and I really like that because the lights are kind of always flashing and it analyzes it. Not that I need anything to know with that stuff, but uh, in terms of, you know, real-time analyzation, but uh, that is what I do. So I do use both, and I do look at both, um, and I do it um, pretty frequently. So, yeah, that's what I, that's what I do. That's my uh, kind of philosophy uh, about that, I suppose, is what you could say. I, I use both, and I really like both because, you know, if you if you have both, why not use both is basically what I think about it. So uh, we'll close up here with a song called Not the King is what the title of it is. It's released by Vlog... Where is it from? VNCM, of course, our uh, music 
content provider, VNCM, best music out there for no copyright. We'll leave them, uh, leave their link in the description. Hopefully you like the music and my, uh, little bit of, uh, input and rant about happy holidays and things like that in the beginning of the episode. We're closing up here at about 36.25 at the episode. We'll probably end it at about, uh, I don't know, 40 or something. It's the Jade Rorty Podcast, episode number 54. Thank you.